You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Yeah, the touching microphone for you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Hi, Adam. Hi, how are you? Smooth start. <laughs> yes, I'm well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, great, yeah. I thought our last episode was really good. You nailed the edit. Oh, very, very kind. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, it was, yeah, this show is just the most fun. So, it is. And um, it helps that the subject matter is quite good too. Just a sneak preview for folks. Our next episode features a lovely special guest. And um, also, it's quite exciting because we're going to be recording in person with this guest. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work. We've never done it before. This no. could be a f***ing disaster. We're going to be arguing <laughs> over the tape recorder. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And uh, I'm not used to three dimensions and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, it's going to be a sensory overload. But I'm hella, sure we can. Hello, awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and also, we're in September now. We just wanted to let you know that we have a little surprise coming in October in time for Halloween, don't we? Uh, Frankie yeah. had a great idea. We decided to go ahead with it. So keep your eyes and ears open for that. That's coming very soon. The only spoiler is that it's spooky. <laughs> That's, that's a surprise that we'll, do. well you know tis the season to be spooky that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's good put the Wilhelm scream in there <laughs> well we're in love territory this week though before we get to the spooky yes. season Double Clue features the first appearance of a recurring character in the Poirot cabin <laughs> And one that will yes. uh, pull on his heartstrings. It's uh, very sweet. You've got sweetness coming up. But for now, do we have any yes. correspondence, Frankie? Yes, we do. Uh, so mm-hmm. we've got a few emails, got some nice messages. Thank you to everyone that sends emails. You can join the email party by emailing us at bonjour at the labors of hercule.com. Uh, but... So we have one here from Mary that says, Dear Adam and Frankie. Oh, actually, I should read the subject line because... This is a good subject line. The best Christie slash Poirot podcast. So wow. nice. Yeah. Set the tone. Seething now. Seething with rage. <laughs> damn defensive. And <laughs> uh, you're damned offensive. <laughs> she says, Thank you so much for what is, by a long mile, the best Agatha Christie slash Hercule Poirot related podcast out there. And this Thank is definitely, you. so before our competitors start screaming, this is definitely not just because. Some of them, or maybe it's not as nice as I thought. This is definitely not just because some of them are, frankly... Damned offensive. Whoops. We didn't say the it. Energy, we didn't... I, I mean, yeah. we're, we're vocalising it, but we're not saying it. You know what I mean? No, and, I, and if, any, yeah, I, if anyone wants Mari's email address, let me know and I'll send her your way. Um, as she says, uh, <laughs> the, energy between, the energy between the two of you is amazing and your well-deserved success speaks volumes about the quality of your work. Uh, two weeks in between episodes is a long time for an impatient person like me, but they are well worth the, rate, the wait. And she says... 
P.S. Apologies for the old-fashioned email. I was born in only the 1970s myself, but everybody always tells me that I'm already in my I was already in my 50s then, mostly because when they find out about my love for Poirot. So nice. Yeah. Well, as another 1970s baby, uh, <laughs> howdy. <laughs> Is that how they spoke back in the 70s? <laughs> no, we we used smoke signals. And, Good um... morrow, sir. <laughs> 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 Use those, uh, you know, those paddles, like ping pong. <laughs> <laughs> wow, oh, the past is weird. But no, Murray, you're clearly um, our people. You found you've come to the right place, and thank you for being so bloody nice about yeah. our podcast. Well, but Frankie reads the emails, by the way, because she has eyesight still. I don't, because I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I have to get yeah. a magnifying glass for him to have a look at any of them. Well, I don't get uh, all the spellings these days. They don't spell the ye key. anymore and thy. <laughs> I have to I have to um, transcribe them onto scroll for Adam so that he can <laughs> like, read them like a parchment. Good <laughs> yes. Yes. I like an ice papyrus. Uh, <laughs> uh, not the font though, right? Uh, the the <laughs> next lovely email with the subject line "My favourite podcast" oh, is from you. Renee, and she says, "Dear Frankie and Adam, brackets Joe." <laughs> <laughs> Still funny. Still good. She says, I felt compelled to write and to tell you that I absolutely adore the podcast. I found you through recommendations on Instagram and I've binged the series to date over the last couple of weeks. Your passion and love for the show is obvious and your banter is hilarious. Oh, so well, I love a good pun, so I am here for Frankie's ingenious punbility. Sorry, I'm not so good at them. Hey, Renee, that's a great bloody start. That it's, was 50% better yeah. than anything Frankie's come up with in the last hour. <laughs> Damn defensive. <laughs> Unbelievable. People were just saying they're good, actually, Adam. So Unbelievable. Uh, yes, very good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only joking. Punishing Frankie, pun. experience. It's great mm. because even our uh, mutuals, Frankie, they all sort of say, oh, the moment puns come up, so, oh, must get Frankie. Bro. Oh, Frankie. Bro. So uh, you're definitely the queen of comedy. Congratulations. Uh, I think that, that's a stretch. <laughs> I would say my legacy of stupid, embarrassing dad jokes uh, will remain. So that's good. Uh, she says, anyway, thinking about the question about who you would recast for the Whitehaven 4, I concur with Dan. Daniel Mays' Jap. I would also suggest Juno Temple as Miss Lemon. Interesting Ooh. one. And then Robert Webb as Hastings and David Mitchell as Poirot. And Ooh, then later good. we can... Yeah, I think that could work actually quite yeah. well. And then later we can discuss Robert Webb's truly hilarious turn in ITV Marple episode of uh, Caribbean Mystery, which I've not actually seen, to be honest, Renee. I have to look that one up. Mm, mm. Anyway, keep up the lovely work from Renee from Brisbane, Australia. Mate. Fuck yeah, straight. <laughs> That's a, uh, thank oh, you very you, much. That's very cool. You are not a flaming galah. Compliments <laughs> to you, <laughs> Renee. And what else? So now we get on to some social messages. If you ever want to send a social message, please do so. Uh, you can do that at Labours of Hercule. Labours Hercule, it, some variation of that. It. Yeah. It's, You'll uh, find us. It's Hercule Labour Pod on X, <laughs> but it's formerly Twitter. And then it's Percule of the Labours on Threads. The first oh, test of your little grey cells is figuring out where we are <laughs> and what <laughs> name we are using. Well, if you find us, then you have passed the test. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, so we had actually a lovely message uh, from uh, Rachel, or as she's known on X, uh, Ed Tricks Rachel. 
Uh, she said, wanted to let you know that your awesome podcast got a shout out by me at the Editorial Freelancers Association Conference this past week in Alexandria, VA. The VA is Vancouver, Victoria. Victoria? It's Virginia. Virginia. That's what it wow. says. Alexandria. Country Virginia. roads. Take me home. Yeah. That one? Yeah. Apparently, another lovely listener, my lady scribbler, was part of the panel and she mentioned her love for Poirot. I raised my hand and asked if she was listening to your podcast and she replied, Mais oui! The labours of Hercule continues to make inroads on the copyright market, a copy editor market, sorry, which is exactly what we were intending to do. It's the most sought uh, we, after market. It is. Market. We've hit the big time. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. All the words that they edit, copy. Don't copy. Yeah. They, they copy. <laughs> Yep, we clearly know what we're talking about. Uh, we were far from the only editors who enjoy Poirot, and I never fail to recommend. I've been enjoying the current season and hope that you'll have an account on the Sky-themed alternative site. So do we need to add that to the mix as well? Blue Sky. The blue one. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've got I've got some invites for that, actually. So I'll, I'll send one. Make one for us. Cool. It says, keep up the good work. So nice. that's pretty cool. And in response, actually, my lady scribbler said, Verite. it was a talk I was giving about um, helping to give about mental health and self-care. Our favorite British crime shows came up in the discussion. So naturally had to mention Poirot. Uh, it's always a joy to encounter other Poirot and Labours of Hercule, bien sûr, fans. So Aww, that so is nice, isn't it? I'm always so shocked when people are nice on the internet. <laughs> It's so We've been very lucky rare. so far. Should we just we have. quit now? Quit now before we get backlash. Yeah. Um, Makes and sense. just say, wasn't that a lovely chapter in our lives? Never look at it again. Yeah, that sounds, sounds sensible. <laughs> I mean, until we get cancelled for, I don't know, what could we possibly get cancelled for? <laughs> Let's not guess. Let's not guess. Let's not give anyone ammunition. Oh, really? Well, now that you mention it. Highlighting the word damned, are we? Oh, and offensive. That's... You know what it means these days. You're damned, 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 damned offensive. Comment here from, and God, I am so sorry. I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of your username. Ivalda Benitop. Yep. Uh, she says, just that I'm a listener from Chile. So you may have to add that to the tour list. Absolutely. I love Chile. <laughs> Con carne and <laughs> red and green. Delicious. Yeah, that is uh, awesome. That's amazing. So she's in Chile. Oh, definitely. We'll definitely put that on the old uh, tour. So thank you for giving us even more destinations. And wherever you are in the world, if you're in a far-flung place in the world, do let us know, because it's always mm. blows my mind when you get to the end of these messages and you go, and I'm Timbuktu. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, so from good. Antarctica. Yeah, please do. We would love to know. And yeah, add it to the old tour list, as we say, because uh, yeah. we're, we're chartering a ship that will take us across the, <laughs> the globe for this. Uh, the Red Mink are asks, what is your favourite Poirotism where he doesn't get his English quite right? Ooh, I have one. Go on. I mean, the Gooseberry Hunt I liked, but there's... Gooseberry Hunt was great. There's That's one in this chat. episode, The Warming of the Metal. Oh. Uh, yeah, we'll get to it. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, it's in this, but I good. did think to myself, oh, it's good <laughs> I I love and I think about it often uh, with the one where he said getting off Scottish free <laughs> <laughs> I really love that one it's so adorable uh, Laura on X asks are we still doing contemporary casting sure Laura thanks for sending it over she's got 
quite a okay we're gonna need some big budget for this although i'm a bit we'll get we'll see why i'm a little bit nervous towards the end here but she says hugh grant is hastings yeah i wouldn't say it's a younger cast but i like it mm. andy circus is poirot okay he can do anything so very yeah. possibly yeah tandy newton is miss lemon yeah i love her so she's yeah. amazing and now this is where it gets a bit contentious for me at the risk of tweaking Frankie's nerves, she wrote, Kenneth Branner is Jap. Oh, I think I saw this. Did someone, did, was this on our socials somewhere? Yeah, I just said yeah. it was on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, sorry. I, I did see this yesterday. <laughs> oh, it's going to be oh, fireworks. <laughs> Stoking the fires. You don't rattle the Frankster with that, a, a suggestion like that. Yeah, no, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I will shoot that one down on your behalf. The thing is, he's probably better suited to Jap than he is to Poirot. Like mm. that would that would have made more sense to me. But obviously, his ego wouldn't let him take a mm. secondary character. And um, <laughs> uh, but no, I, that that's interesting stance. And also, can I just say how much I love I love how people who I don't personally know, I feel like we're all friends and we all know each other and we're one big happy family, but I don't, unfortunately, we've never had the pleasure of meeting. When people know how much I hate it and I get all these messages every time a new trailer drops for the new film being like, are you okay? Are you all right, Frankie? And I'm like, <laughs> thank you for thinking about me during this difficult time. Um, yeah, it's very it's weird. Sweet. It's weird how they understand you so well, isn't it? It's not like you haven't mentioned yes. it. <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> Unbelievable. Damn defensive. I think, to be honest, you've taken a lot of Kenneth Branner fans and <laughs> turned them against him. Good. Your work is All done. part of my plan. Uh, yeah. Also, um, a lovely message from Alice, uh, who also, it seems, does a podcast herself called Fetch oh, the Smelling cool. Salts. Which is a great name for a podcast. Love that. It really is. I what that's about. Yeah. Quick look. It's all about murder what? mystery TV and film and stuff. So she does is different it? murders. Yeah. Go check out Alice's podcast, everyone. Alice Nagel, Kimberly Marsh. There you go. Discussing period dramas from every time period around the world. That sounds good. Like that. that does sound good. Subscribing now. Very nice. There you go. That's one for you, Alice. Uh, she says, hello, I just discovered the podcast and it's been a dream listening to chats with from people who share my deep love of Poirot. We are planning to cover Hercule Poirot's Christmas at some point on our wee podcast uh, we period pod drama podcast because it's by far the episode I've seen the most times I love the christmas episode i cannot wait till we get to that one it's not actually that far yeah. away i don't think oh, I know. so it's, good it's, it's, it's one of this it's in this era isn't it yes yeah it's not because it's episodes, my favorite yeah mm. she says not because it's my favorite although incredible obviously but because my dad got it on dvd one christmas around 20 years ago and we watched it several times each holiday season i do that as well actually uh i'm really looking forward to hearing you talk about that one and i'm having such fun binging your episodes thanks a bunch thank you very much that's very kind i'm just subscribing now yeah. can we finish this podcast before you move on to another adam <laughs> this is very very important that I do this right <laughs> it now. is well everyone should go great. check out fetch the smelling salts then it sounds like a great podcast Oh, we had a message as well from Jennifer Hill. So these the, these next two are in relation to the episodes we just did on uh, the tragedy at Marsden Manor, which was our last mm -hmm. episode. If you haven't heard it yet, then go and listen to that. Because as Adam said, it's quite good if we do say so ourselves, it's, apparently. It's very, it's very fun. <laughs> Especially if you're a horror fan, you'll love it. Great. Yeah. Uh, and Jennifer says, in the Master Manor episode, I had the subtitles on, as I always do, and noticed the doctor's secretary said Poirot was suffering from 
Urkil Paro and thinks it's quite serious, which is rather funny, but it was spelt U-R-K-I-L-L. Urkil <laughs> Paro. So that is brilliant. Thank you for sharing that, Jennifer. And similarly, uh, Mrs. Chester on Instagram said, I hadn't watched this one in years because I thought it was one I wasn't too keen on. What this podcast has done is encourage me to revisit episodes that didn't leave their mark on me when I was younger, only to discover that actually they're all just different and fab in their own way. I enjoyed this episode more than I expected to. I thought it was one I just had to get through. I must admit that it's made me like certain episodes a bit more going back and actually yeah. talking about them with people instead of just watching because sometimes you just watch them and you, if you're on your own it can be a quite a passive experience but when you actually sit down and talk about it like we do actually yeah. makes you appreciate it a bit more um i still think king of clubs is the worst <laughs> i was just about to say <laughs> there is um, not there is no redeeming king of clubs unfortunately <laughs> oh god i just want to i just want to delete it from the uh i have actually come to yeah. respect uh, Johnny Waverley a little bit more because of all the damn yes. You're damned offensive. I think that was a bit of a realisation for us when we recorded the Johnny Waverley one because we were both like, mm. yeah, it's not the best. But then we had so much fun with it. We are like, oh, yeah. actually, there is gold here. It's just like It's such a great approach. episode. Yeah, it's just the, the, yeah. the mystery is just really bad. But yeah. There isn't one. Yeah, completely. But, and, and there's just so much comedy in it and just. Mm. Look at the gifts it genius. gave to us. It gave us damn defensive and it gave us breakfast pints and everything. And it basically it, kicked off the, the notion of our upcoming world tour. So. It did. It's the gif that keeps on giving. Hey! I love it. Thank you. It's as as you pointed out recently. I have to really enunciate and repeat things until they until I get the response I'm looking for. So, thank you for for humouring me. Last but not least, from Blonderell Ollie, they say no question, just lots of love and loved the murder mystery, the murder by post mystery. So we remember we featured lovely Rachel's business um where you can get murder yeah. mystery sent to oh, you in yeah, the post yeah. recently yeah, the which i have for you now by the way at my house adam what? so next time really? i see you yes oh, she sent us she a couple one. oh wow that's yeah. amazing yeah cool. what is it is it like a box or an envelope or something what? it's an envelope full of okay. files and papers like it's very very well done it's beautifully Ooh. done Cool. Yes. And Rachel ultra generously sent us both a little notepad each as well so we can write down our, our sleuthings and our observations. Thank you so much. Um we should play that when I when I come over. I mean, yeah, that'd be fun. Um, that'd be great. We we've got a yeah. a lovely friend coming all the way from the States to come over. Canada. Yeah, Canada. And he's um gonna be recording an episode with us. So, uh, yeah, we should play that game, cook some food. It'd be nice. Yeah, it would be fun. And we're going to, yeah. yeah, talk about Poirot as well. What a day. What a dreamy mm. day. So, yeah. And we're going to take him is... to Costco as well. Oh, sh**. We actually could, you know. <laughs> I did think about that. I was like, You've come all this time? way. <laughs> He's like, we have them in Canada. I'm like, but do you have this one? Do you have? Barnbrus Fires. Already. With all those uh, zombies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's all we had. Thank you to everyone for your lovely messages. Please keep sending them because I love to read them and I'll read them out next time when we record. So Thank you. Yeah, thank you yeah. so much. And thanks for all the love, everyone. It's great to know that people are listening and that it's growing <laughs> and we're worldwide. So thank you very much. Poirot yeah. love is very real. It is. And it means that we will continue to do it, <laughs> I suppose, if people <laughs> like it. I guess we'll have to stomach <laughs> each other a bit longer and get through it. So. Cool. Anyway, do you want to jump into the episode? 
Oh, yes, please. Gets gets romantic. Yes. Let's do it. Double clue. So we're into Double Clue, which is yes. a great little episode uh, adapted by Anthony Horowitz, I noticed. So we're out yes. of David Rennick territory and into the Horowitz era. Yes. I mean, they do sort of alternate. You do yeah. notice a tonal shift, though, with the sh- mm-hmm. with the change. Not in a bad Absolutely. way, just different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and this is quite a good one for, for that tone to shift on, I think, because there's yes. a decidedly romantic and dramatic feel to this one, whereas yes. uh, David Rennick's been having lots and lots of glee and fun. <laughs> He could not believe the things that were happening to Borrow. He could not quite comprehend what was He couldn't happening. understand it. And Anthony Borrow was like, what? That's just, yeah. Um, and we're also in non-murder territory again this week. Yeah. The non-murdery ones tended to be... Am I right in saying magazine article or magazine stories more? Because yeah. there was the, no, no palatable th- threat was, like you say, more palatable. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that this one had featured in a magazine of some kind. I'm sure. I'd be probably find out if I, Googled, I could have Googled it. Um, they're normally from like the sketch and magazines yeah. like that that were big in the day. Yeah. And I guess maybe it's slightly less gruesome to just have mm. a nice little robbery every now and then to, yeah. you know, lighten the mood. Yeah. I like a heist heisty robbery one yes yeah no, and this is this is i wouldn't say it's a heisty heist mm. heisty heist <laughs> you're like heidi hi heisty heist um yeah but it's it's fun it's mm. it's good it's yeah. not so much about the crime is it even no this episode it's more about who's there and what happens to poirot as a result so yes. uh, yeah do you want to kick us off how sure. uh, what do we open? Well, it's a very dramatic atmospheric opening as uh, we are on a, at a train station at night in London and a beautiful big steam train pulls into the platform. Lots of yeah. uh, steam <laughs> everywhere, uh, <laughs> funnily enough. <laughs> I, always, sorry, I always just think as Jaffa always corrects me when he says, you can't see steam, it's water vapour. So that's what I live with. But oh. there we go. <laughs> like, but it's a... F- Steam train. It's, why can't I say steam? <laughs> anyway, so uh, a figure of a woman is walking down the platform. She's got lots of bags and she's got a porter pushing her along. They go to a very fancy hotel and we find out that she is, well, she's greeted by the hotel maitre d, that thing in mm. hotels, porter, whatever. The main yeah. guy is like, welcome back, Countess Vera Rosikoff. Good evening, Countess. It's an honour to have you with us again. Your usual suite is ready. Ooh, sends chills Ooh, down your spine, doesn't it? Sh- Countess Vera Rosikoff. This is her first appearance in the Poirot TV series. She is, I would say, the Irene Adler character to yes. Poirot's Sherlock Holmes. There's more than a... No spoilers. Uh, we'll get to it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Can you please say her name in your Russian accent that you do for Secret History of Hollywood, please? Do I do a Russian accent? Well, kind of for, um, I was thinking more for Shadows. For, oh, um... yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's an impression of my nan, by the way. She was from Latvia. Is it? Yeah. Oh, so all awesome. I have to do is, <laughs> oh, God bless you. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Vera Rosikov. Yeah. Nice. My, na- my nan was from Latvia and I had to do a Russian lady's accent in a series I made for The Secret History of Hollywood for the actress Alana Zimova and basically just 
did impressions of my nan. But it was really good. And if anyone hasn't <laughs> listened to Shadows from Adam's wonderful Secret History of Hollywood podcast, they absolutely must go and do that right this second. Well, actually, finish this episode and then go listen to that. Line Cheers. them up in that order. Thanks, Frankie. Um, just quickly, I have just looked it up. And yes, Double Clue was published in The Sketch in December Classic 1923. Sketch. Yes. In December 1923. It's a very early story then. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. it's good uh, that it was so early because Vera, Vera is um, Vera. a big old Vera Rosikoff of the Poirot-niverse. Da. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there you go. That's my Russian. Um, yes. And she, yeah, she's arrived at the hotel. She's looking out the window. It's raining. And it's a very, she seems very melancholy, very sad, very emotional. So that's how we meet the Countess Vera Rosikoff. Mm-hmm. And uh, exciting. But then, complete juxtaposition the next day, we cut to Hastings and Poirot in the car. Doesn't the town look good at this time of year, Poirot? Yes, but I can always tell when the summer it is arrived. It's in the air, eh? No, Hastings, it is in the speed of your driving. This is probably the only bit of humour we get, really, in this episode. It's not as funny. There are funny no. bits, but... I do like, well, obviously, Poirot's comments about the speed they're going. But yes. also, they, they happen to be stopped at some red lights and yeah. there's a wedding happening and I, I love I love the little bit of banter between them. Now there's a pleasant sight for you on a summer's day. Have you ever thought about it? In my experience, I have known of five cases of women murdered by their devoted husbands. Yes? And 22 husbands murdered by their devoted wives. So thank you, no. The marriage, it is not for me. Uh, when they yes. get back to Whitehaven, they find that Inspector Jap is waiting for them. And this is a Poiroism I really liked. Uh, he's like, <laughs> yes. why didn't you, why have you only brought this to me now? You need to strike when the metal is warm. What matter is it that brings you here today? The matter of my job, if you want the honest truth. They'd never dismiss you, would they, Chief Inspector? They will if I don't get results soon, Captain Hastings. Three robberies in as many weeks. Jewelry each time. The Atterton Diamonds were the first to go. Lady Atterton. In the West Country. Happened during dinner. Two dukes, a duchess and some Russian countess round the table. Not your usual run of witnesses. The high society. Can't get much higher. That's the trouble. The commissioner's come down on me. He wants action. If not, he's going to have to give them a scapegoat. A goat? Me. When was this last robbery? Three days ago. Three days? But it is too late. It is better to strike while the metal is warm, yes? Too late, yes. <laughs> it is warm, yes. Yeah, poor old Jap. He is not himself today. He is really shaken up and a bit panicked, isn't he? Yeah, he's about to lose his job if he doesn't sort it out because there's been a spate of jewellery thefts at high society parties, a few of them recently. Well, I suppose his commissioner is part of that social set and mm, he's seeing his pressure. friends robbed and he's got his best man, Jap, on the case and he wants action now. So what can we do? We wait. Already the thief, he is planning his next crime. In the next crime, it will be his last. Poirot um, needs to help him because, yeah, he's... He's going to lose his bloody job. Poor old Jap. 
Mm. Damn defensive. How dare they? <laughs> uh, well, guess what? Timing, though, pretty spot on, because uh, that very evening, it seems, there is a very fancy party happening at a very fancy house uh, mm. where, yeah, very, very beautiful Art Deco house yeah, as well. House porn again, isn't it? This one, yep. definitely. Big and this time. is one of the ones where, like, you always remember certain locations, like that lovely building in the dream. Yes. And this house, and it's always the one I'm like, where, where episode was that house in? And as soon as it panned across when I watched it again yeah. last night, I was like, oh, this is the one with that lovely house. I watched a music video recently, and they were in the uh, house, the one with the safe cracking, that one, and the, the guy broke, broke into his own safe with the music. Oh, right, a disappearance yeah. of Mr. Davenheim. That's it, Mr. Mm. Davenheim. Yeah, they, they, they were in that house, and I was like, oh, I got like starstruck for the house <laughs> in a music video. I was like, oh, it's in um, But yeah, but yeah, so it's a beautiful mm. house, and there's a big, big swanky party in the nighttime, and lo and behold, the Countess, as, I, mm. as we will now call her from here on in, arrives at the party. It's being hosted by Marcus Hardman, uh, who we find out is a jewellery collector. Turns out actually a lot of this crowd are into mm. jewellery and yeah. jewels and all that sort of like thing. That was a popular thing for rich people back in the day. <laughs> Instead of jewels now, they just collect social networks that they destroy. <laughs> so that's fun. <laughs> and they become uh, prime minister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Anyway. So um, Marcus Hardman, the host of the party, he introduces us to a few notable guests. One of them, as you say, is the Countess Vera Rosikov. She arrives very elegantly. Uh, we yes. also meet Lady Runcorn. Uh, how yes. would you describe her? Uh, lady Runcorn is a bit of an older lady. And mm-hmm. she you tell she's kind of like... A refined type, I would say. Quite prim, quite um, straight-laced, perhaps. We also meet Bernard Parker. He's hmm. a bit more of a character, isn't he? He's he's like a lounge lizard almost, isn't he? Like I wrote very... that in my notes. Did you? Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. I wrote a funny little man slash lounge lizard. <laughs> <laughs> he's instantly eyeing up the ladies, not just for their looks and their um, no. sex appeal. It's, you know, what are they wearing to? Can I get my hands on any of it? Um, and he yes. instantly comments on the Countess, doesn't he? Who's that? Countess Vera Rosikoff. She came over from Russia quite recently. Yes. I suggest you keep your hands off her, dear boy. <laughs> Why? You're not in her league. Because she's very striking, the Countess. We haven't really talked about her, her physical appearance, but she is a very striking woman, isn't mm, she? Definitely a, an exotic look, isn't that? Mm. Very European. Yes. Uh, last one that we meet there at the party of any note is Arthur Johnstone. Oh, let me introduce you to a colleague of mine from South Africa. Martin Johnstone. Lady Rumpel. How do you do? Excuse me. Are you also a collector, Mr Johnstone? What? Jewellery. Mr Hardman has one of the finest collections in England. Kind of getting yes. a military air from him. Yeah. Kind of background. <laughs> Especially he's later like, on, which we won't get to. This yeah, I was going to say, he's like, a, he's like a non, forgive me for using this word, a non-stupid Hastings, if that makes yes. sense. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, he's definitely kind of a general kind of vibe yeah. to him. Yeah. A bit more but he's old and rich. Yeah. Yeah. Wits. <laughs> yes. yes. So it's quite the quite the, the social event, it seems, in the upper class calendar because they've got a very fancy opera singer there who's very sought after, Catherine Bird, uh, singing singing her pearls off for a lot of the, the thing. And it's quite, if you if you like opera, then this is the one for you because, oh boy, she goes for it big time. 
um and she's singing it singing her face off she really um, is. and yeah all of our faces are off um that's such as the extent of her her vocal prowess uh and while all this is going on also the police there's a policeman patrolling around the area uh and he spots a vagrant in the bushes mm. and uh but uh, very uneventful the vagrant just walks in the opposite direction so Mm. That's uh, in, in stark contrast to the very fancy party on the inside yeah. as well. Mm. The Catherine Bird singing her face off. We discussed that. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, turns out not everyone's quite as into it having their face ripped off by, by opera singing. By sound. Yes. Yeah. yeah, weird. <laughs> it's like, weird if you that. imagine the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, that's basically <laughs> the <laughs> sensation that everyone has experienced. You know that, that, that Dolby, that advert for Dolby sound when it was that person in the chair and it's like, <laughs> being hit. It's like yeah, exactly. that. It's like, yeah. But she's, I mean, very, very impressive, uh, powerful voice on it, Catherine Bird. Yeah. Um, I must be honest, there were members of my household on the same floor as me last night while I was watching this I was making dinner and uh, several looks were given winces of pain is how I'd describe them were their faces yeah. peeling at the edges if, yeah, if not they were in danger <laughs> the dogs were howling everything <laughs> it's, surround it's sound the, it's lovely music but uh, very shrill a skilled very shrill yeah you have to you have to be you have to be in the right mood for mm. it uh, yeah. And yeah, it turns out everyone at the party's not that into it either because Lady mm. Runcorn's come inside. Uh, she's going upstairs to get her coat or no, her handbag. 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 Yeah. And uh, as she's creeping up, actually, she hears a noise and she sees a figure in the house. It's very dark in the house, is worth mm. saying. All the lights are off. Uh, and you just see a figure smoking in the shadows and she goes, she totters off upstairs it's worth just quickly explaining the geography of the house because it does yes. play into it quite a bit um on the on the upper floor there seems to be there's like a long corridor isn't there that separates mm-hmm. uh mr hardman's i'm gonna call it his inner sanctum it's like it's not really a bedroom <laughs> is it? it's like his sitting room but he has a safe yeah. there and everything but you have to like go a along study the, yeah like a, yeah exactly there you go yeah um, so you have to go along this very long corridor with windows on, on the side of it um, and at the end of this long corridor, in the study, there's a safe. And we don't see who is doing it, but we see a pair of gloved hands uh, using acid to break yeah. into the safe. It's really cool. There's all very smoke cool. and hissing and everything. Uh, safe is opened and a very expensive necklace is fondled. Yeah, fondled. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they do take it. They don't just give it a copper feel and then put it back. Uh, yeah. And it is. <laughs> it's an emerald necklace as well. Yeah, the acid thing is cool because so often it's like they've got a little stethoscope and they're listening mm. for clicks and stuff. But yeah, acid is metal. That's how you do it. Yeah, That's how you properly. strike while the metal's warm. You use acid. <laughs> That's how you warm that metal right up. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Mm. Uh, yeah, so this is all happening while Catherine said Catherine Bird is singing a lot mm. and uh, loudly. And so then uh, Hardman is watching it. He's kind of sat at the front. Then Bernard Parker comes and sits with him. And he's like, where the hell have you been? He's like, oh, I've been busy. And where have you been busy? Have you seen my gloves? He seems to have lost his white gloves. Very mm. similar to the white gloves we just saw groping that necklace. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> seems that Bernard Parker wasn't the only one missing during that 
time period either. So we had Lady Runcorn getting her bag, mm-hmm. and she spotted a character in the dark having a cigarette, and also Countess Viroskov apparently not at her table. So we have, no. I would say, three, if you count Mr. Hardman as well, as a person of interest. Yeah. Have four, maybe, suspects. One of these guys, possibly, could have been upstairs, or maybe it was something to do with the vagrant, the policeman saw. So it's all swirling around, isn't it, at the moment? We cut to the next day, and Jap has said, well, you wanted a fresh trail. Can't get fresher than this. <laughs> you couldn't ask for the trail to be much fresher this time, Poirot. I only heard myself this morning. I've been chasing all over the country on the other three robberies. This is the first one that's been close to London. Tell me about this, Monsieur Marcus Hardman. He's a jewellery collector. Something of a celebrity in his own way. Throws a lot of parties, that sort of thing. A collector, do you say? Yes. Natural target, I suppose. And yet, in other circumstances, perhaps also the natural suspect. Uh, this metal is as... toasty warm. <laughs> <laughs> Let's strike it's, it. <laughs> it's as fresh as the kippers that came from Grimsby Market, where the, ghoul, the ghouls and ghosties live. <laughs> exactly <laughs> So they're that. off down yeah. to the country house, and Poirot is instantly on the case. They get out, and the first person they encounter is the policeman, who tells them about the vagrant. He gets short shrift from Jap, doesn't he? They were in the garden when it happened. Some sort of concert. In the garden? There's a marquee. Sir? You were the constable on duty last night? Uh, Yes, sir. Tell us what happened then. I was on my beat, sir. I walked past Mr. Ardman's house at about half past ten. And? Well, sir, I did see something. A vagrant. He was going the other way. Down there. That vagrant could have had a £10,000 necklace in his pocket. I wasn't to know, sir. Indeed not. Thank you, officer. I think he's just in a bad old mood and he's taking out on everyone, but Poirot's got the policeman's back and you can tell that Jab's like, oh, shut up, like, just be on my side, for heaven's <laughs> sake. But yes, the policeman says that he was on his beat. He walked past Mr. Hardman's house at about 10.30 and that's when he saw the vagrant. But the vagrant was going in the opposite direction. And also you can't just, hey, this is a lesson for our government. You can't just stop and search people willy-nilly, actually. You have to have good intent and good reason. So, yes, yes. quite very right well too. Said, thank, you. thank you. I'm sure she's listening. It's you very left too. <laughs> so they uh, go on up with Mr Hardman along said glass corridor and Poirot asks a question about the windows which is uh, very pertinent isn't it this window it is kept locked yes of course I'll show you the safe what's different about this window looks just like all the others but there is one significant difference one I mean it is at this point that the climbing plant outside almost reaches the sill. And Monsieur Hardman is, I think, a little overconfident about the latches. So then they go in and look at the safe, which has not been touched since mm. it was discovered. And instantly, Jap finds a white glove in there. Mm. What are the chances? And Poirot deduces that it is the glove of a man with small hands. It is a glove of a man? A man with small hands. Which is like a sick burn, I suppose, in itself. <laughs> turns out that the white glove that belongs to a small-handed man in the safe isn't the only clue in the room though on the floor Poirot finds an empty cigarette case with the initials BP engraved on it cigarette case empty the initials BP BP 
Is that of any significance to you, Monsieur Hardman? Well, yes. I suppose it could belong to Bernard Parker. And who is he, sir? A young friend of mine. Um, a business associate. The glove could be his, too. What makes you say that? Well, he'd lost it. He'd lost both his gloves. At least that's what he said. Oh, excuse me. So what do you think, Poirot? I think that it is strange. The glove and the cigarette case. It is, as you might say, the double clue. Twice as much for us to work on. It is too much, Hastings. Too much. How many clues are there, then, in this, Adam? Well, I count three so far. I mean, hence the title. <laughs> oh, he's funny, isn't he? Yeah. Double Double fun, double clues. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you tend to find a clue that starts you on the trail, don't you, in uh, mm. in these things, but never two great big glaring, oh, hey, it's a man with a small hand who's missing a glove. Oh, and it also might be someone yeah. with the initials BP. It's all looking very overclued, isn't it? That Well, that's exactly what Poirot basically says, because I love bl- dor- adorable bloody Hastings. is like, twice as much for us to work on. <laughs> Yippee! <laughs> Lashings <laughs> of clues. <laughs> that's exactly how he would say it. Uh, but Poirot's like, no, it's too much. There's too many clues. It's almost as if someone has set up a murder mystery party <laughs> and mm. laid out the clues for you. So that is suspicious in itself, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, are we mm. ready for romance? Lightning's about to strike, isn't it? Go on, Frankie. Oh, no. I feel like you should do it in your in your voice that everybody loves. I meant the, uh, the Russian voice. I was joking. <laughs> your shrieky Russian voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, then comes the big moment. Poirot meets the Countess Vera Roskov, and uh, it's like thunder's gone off in his heart. This is the Countess Vera Roskov. She was here at the party last night. He is instantly, yep. instantly overwhelmed by her. Which is funny considering the conversation he had about love with Hastings <laughs> at the beginning of the episode. Now yes. it seems he can't help himself. He's instantly transfixed. Yes. The second she steps into the room, before they're even introduced, he is just on her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not physically. With his eyes. Because <laughs> he's a gentleman. And yeah, they're introduced and that's it, isn't it? He's into her. Yes, Poirot yeah. is in love. Oh. God, I've never been so jealous in all my life. <laughs> Seriously. Like, uh, the things he says to her and the way, oh my God, it's... Mm. And the musical motif they use whenever they're together, like it's just mm. beautiful. Yes. Anyway, they take a walk in the gardens, don't they? Because Poirot wanted to bring her somewhere that was worthy of her. Oh, I mean, my he, heart. <laughs> oh, what a waste that he never romanced more people and put more of him. His, I know. Uh, his beautiful, beautiful heart out into the world. Yeah, who knew he? I mean, we knew he was, he's a warm person and we know that he is an emotional person, but romantic as hell. Like, that was unprecedented. And it's, mm. <sighs> yeah, it's very dreamy to watch, isn't it? We, we've said in a uh, previous episode that he's always come across as quite sexless you know he's more about method and order and cerebral yes. thrills um and i still don't think there's a, a whole lot of passion in this but i think it's mm-hmm. more about romance and gentility and you can imagine that if 
he had ended up uh, with Vera Roscoff. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I mean, people know he doesn't. But um, yeah. uh, if he had ended up with her, you can just imagine this doting, just completely compassionate, <sighs> reliant relationship for the rest of their lives. So, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's not a sex thing. It's never a sex thing for Poirot. He's just, yeah, that's not how he's wired. But I think it's an appreciation of someone remarkable and beautiful and interesting. And they actually have a lot in common because they're both refugees in this country. So they mm. share a kind of a commonality that he hasn't had with many people since arriving in England either. So yeah, they're kind of like kindred spirits in a way. And mm. it's, yeah completely nutty adorable and also he obviously can't resist telling her that he is the most famous detective in england because <laughs> he's got to you know got to impress her right back right got a bit of we've all done play. it we've all done yeah, yeah we're trying to impress someone you tell them you know he's the greatest detective in the world yeah i i, I to be fair i i i believe that to be true of myself so but yes so beautiful stuff with poirot off romancing vera rosikoff Jap has been left kind of stranded on. He needs the great man to come and help him get this case solved because the pressure's mounting up. In response, we get... Now, I think this would have been the greatest spin-off of all time. <laughs> um, Poirot Knights, featuring the detective skills of Miss Lemon <gasps> yep. Captain Hastings. They only go and bloom and team up and investigate this thing on behalf of Jap. And it goes about as well as you think that would <laughs> <laughs> yes uh oh boy uh it is amazing <laughs> but hastings has had a lot of practice we know in this series of playing detective he's really i think he's feeling perhaps a tad cockier than he should about his <laughs> approach and his ability and miss lemon for some reason just lets him talk which i think was probably she should have done the talking maybe yeah. could have worked out better but do you, get, you yeah. do get the feeling that um because of the society they lived in the man had to do the talking and the True. woman just had to roll her eyes behind <laughs> it is it is beautiful so interspersed with these scenes of romance you were getting these yes. scenes of hastings and lemon um investigators supreme so i think first to go and see mr johnston mr johnston yeah because mm, yeah. he kicks him out <laughs> If I want a jewel necklace, I can afford to go into a shop and buy one. In fact, I can afford to buy the shop. So why did you go back into the house, Mr. Johnston? A call of nature, if you must know. Were there any witnesses? And they get kicked out. <laughs> and they get kicked out. Then they go to yeah. see Lady Runcorn. She is equally as unimpressed with them. So, Lady Runcorn, you don't deny that you went back into the house. But I've just told you that, Captain Hastings. Hmm. Did you see anyone else inside? Yes, there was someone coming out of the downstairs bathroom. But I didn't see who it was. Why were you in the house, Lady Runcorn? I went to fetch my handbag. I'd left it inside. And then, finally, yes. they get to Bernard Parker's apartment. And, um, yeah, it goes about as well as, <laughs> as yes. it has the other two. Yes, I do some work for Marcus. Mr. Hardman, I arrange his more insalubrious deals. Oh, what do you mean by that? When the client doesn't want his or her name dragged through the mud, I act as a sort of go-between. I don't... Uh... In high society, Captain, nobody is ever hard up. At least they don't admit to it. 
So when they are hard up, they come to me, and I go to Marcus. Have you lost a glove, Mr. Parker? Oh, the glove? That simply loathsome Inspector Snap has already been on to me about the glove. You know he wanted to arrest me. Was it yours? Yes. But I've told him I had both my gloves when the concert began, and that was the last time I saw them. And as for the cigarette case, I've never seen it before in my life. It had your initials. Oh, my dear, I'm sure you'll find plenty of people in London with the initials BP. Bernard Parker does confirm that they were his gloves that were found mm. at the scene, but he's like, I lost them. I swear to God, I lost them. Mm. We also find out a little bit more about how he works with uh, Marcus Hardman. Uh, so Marcus Hardman's a jewellery collector, and Bernard Parker's role is kind of, he's a little bit of a snake where he finds out if people are perhaps running a bit low on funds in high society or they're in a bit of disrepute and yeah, their, their debts are high. And he encourages them to sell the jewels to Marcus Hardman. That's his snaky little role that he plays. So, yeah, yeah, he's not the nicest guy. Uh, and he also is definitely a small man with small hands. So mm. it, it's all <laughs> that pieces fits together quite nicely. Um, but um, he does claim he's never seen the cigarette case before. That is a new thing. Yeah, okay. even though it bears his initials, BP. We do manage to get a couple of things worked out from uh, their fumbling investigations. Yes. As you say, Bernard Parker's relationship to, let's say, the victim, the victim of the crime, should we say. Yeah. Yes. As they're leaving, they see a, is yeah. it a tapestry. Yes. Yeah, tapestry. And it bears the initials BP. And they instantly think, well, it must be Bernard Parker then. They think maybe they, that, and they ask him about this. Did you, have you ever done any embroidery? And he's like, no. My yeah. hands are too small. I can't hold a needle. <laughs> There's no way. But yeah, they think that he's involved somehow and that the initials on the both the cigarette case which are the same initials as his. So it's a mm. fair assumption. And on the tapestry are by Bernard Parker. So mm. that's their theory. Bernard Parker must have been in love with Lady Rudcorn. He gave her the embroidery but lied about it to us. I think Good. Johnston was Good. lying as well. I'm sure yeah. it's him. Well, that's what's been happening with the... <laughs> investigating twosome where go should we go back and tell what's been happening with the other twosome because it's been all very sweet and lovely apart from one moment cold as ice <laughs> time I see go it. On. I'm, I'm always a little bit like oh that's cold man. <laughs> yeah. so they're out on a date and oh, yeah. they're, in a, they're in an art gallery and well I'll just I'll just play the scene for you tomorrow I will take you to the Tate gallery to see their collection of the Turners but I find these expressions painters so exciting Nobody calls him that. <laughs> uh, I know, uh, it's kind of brushed over, but you, you do go, please say you're joking. Or please say you're going to go, but you can. You can call me. Yeah, I, th like I that. totally thought that he, what he was going to do would be like, oh, no one calls me that, but I like that you do or something. Yeah, yeah. He, but no, he just lets it hang. It's like, no, you're like, sorry. She's like, like, sorry. Yeah. Ooh, awkward. You should be sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so quite, it is cold as ice. And it's like, you know, one of those, sha -na 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 -na. it's a mother, yeah. H-E-R-Q, it's C-U-L-E, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, a pimp moment. Yeah. yeah, but she does not let it dissuade her because she links arms with him. She touches him. It's cute. Poro. It's really cute. Mm -hmm. <sighs> so um, jealous. Hastings and Miss Lemon are 
contemplating what the future would look like as well, aren't they? Yeah. This romance did progress. He just couldn't. You'd be out of a situation. What about you? Oh, I could travel. I've always had a dream about South America, you know. Farming. You'd miss him, though, wouldn't you? Of course I would. What about you? don't want to talk about it. I love that they assume because their friend might get married that they that's just the end of everything. <laughs> They're like, he couldn't possibly want to still hang out with us and do work and things. Absolutely not. <laughs> so that's the end of that friendship. To be fair, I've had many, many friendships where you're like, well, guess I'm never going to see them again now they've got a relationship <laughs> or a kid or something. So yeah. I get it. But yes, interspersed with that, as we say, um, we've got more conversation between the Countess and Poirot. And they're talking a lot actually about the diamond thefts and the perfect crime. And what of the perfect crime? It is an illusion, Countess. Maybe. But let me tell you something I heard. It was a robbery, like the one at Mr. Hartman's. But this time it was diamonds. Please go on. Twelve people sat down to dinner. The safe was in the next room. The hostess herself had checked that the diamonds were in place before the meal had begun. And after? The safe was open and empty. And there were no clues? None. It is strange that you should choose to relate this to me, Countess. I also have read of it. Yes? Oh, yes, the Atherton diamonds. And it is true that the police, they were confounded, but that is because they look with the eyes that is too uh, English. I don't understand. Where they see the dukes and the duchesse, the lords and the ladies, but they fail to ask themselves the one simple question. Which is? What person was at that dinner, who was also at the soiree of Monsieur Hardman, and on two other occasions when some jewels were stolen? So, you're saying the police cannot solve it because they're too English? Or because the culprit, he's not English enough. Well, she basically starts saying about a recent party that uh, she was at where there were other jewels taken. And he says, that's strange that you would say that because he knows about that case. And the police were, the police were confounded by it. And I guess this is a sick burn. They look with the eyes. It is too English. And yeah, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting avenue of conversation. Not your usual foreplay, but I guess, you know, to each their own. Because they've failed to ask one simple question. Who was mm. at all of the events where the jewels were stolen? And I like yes. her response. And that's the end of the date. Poirot calls her a taxi. Not literally. He calls a taxi for her. <laughs> oh, then... dad joke. Classic. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> then they agree to meet for the déjeuner tomorrow. Um, he's such a gentleman, isn't he, at all times? The doors open, oh, he my... shuts it behind, he tips the hat. <sighs> what a man. Such a waste. Back at Whitehaven, Miss Lemon and Hastings are discussing the case, and they hear Poirot in the next room, who's learning Russian. Ah, the, the. I say, Poirot, learning Russian. I wonder why. It has been an invaluable aid, mon ami. Yes, I couldn't get past the alphabet myself. Good. Uh, no, it is indeed complicated. Yes, like this case. The stolen jewels? We've been investigating, Mr. Poirot. 
You're not the only private detective in London, you know. Hastings and uh, Miss Lemon take the opportunity to be like, well, while you've been swanning around romancing, uh, we've actually been doing some work, some detective work, because you're not the only detective in London, actually. <laughs> Calm it down, sir. <laughs> <laughs> he should have, you'd think he would have learned by now, but no. Mm. Uh, but then Poirot's like quite amused by the whole thing, and he's like, you're absolutely right. Tell me, tell me what you've learned. And so they do, and they share their theory that their their theory is that Bernard Parker has been blackmailing Lady Runcorn because she's in a lot of debt, mm-hmm. because she recently had to um, send off some paintings for auction, uh, and they believe that she sold the necklace to pay him off, uh, like the adorable little idiots that they are. So we think Bernard Parker is blackmailing Lady Runcorn. We've discovered she has huge debts and she's recently sent four paintings to auction. She must have sold them to pay him off. So you say Lady Runcorn requires money? Yes. So is it not more likely that Lady Runcorn would meet with Monsieur Bernard Parker to discuss the selling of her jewels? Uh, that is his occupation, is it not? Ah, oh, but what about the embroidery? He signed it, BP. But then, I wonder what Lady Runcorn was called before she became Lady Runcorn. Well, I hadn't thought of that. If you are to be a cute Poirot, you must think of everything. Lady Runcorn, born Beatrice Palmerston. Uh, and then also they talk about BP and he says, well, what's Lady Runcorn's maiden name? And Miss Lemon is hurt. quick to find out that it's... Beatrice Palmister. Palmister's oh, an interesting surname. If only they had the grey cells. Indeed. Poirot's yeah. like quietly smug in response. Just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but then Poirot's, in- interestingly, after that, Hastings like, well, what do you think? And Poirot's a bit like, meh. I don't know. I think that maybe you need to figure out what that tramp was doing there. Maybe go back to the house and see. I have no interest or enthusiasm for this case. No, this case does not interest Poirot. I have no enthusiasm for it. And it is, as you yourself say, Hastings, there are other private detectives. As we all scream at the TV at that moment, hey, what about poor old Jap? Because Jap is on the end of the phone again to his boss, getting it right in the old neck. No, sir, nothing as yet, sir. But I am following up a few leads. Uh, Well, no, sir, they haven't actually led anywhere yet. But if you could just give me a little bit more time. 48 hours. Well, I was hoping for a little bit more time than that, sir. I can assure you, sir, your wife is perfectly safe. Well, if you'd like to put her on, I can assure her myself, sir. No, sir, I didn't mean that, sir. Yeah, poor old Jack. He said all that nice stuff about you at the Women's Institute as well. Yeah, not not cool, Poirot. Rose before hose. Everyone knows that. (laughs) (laughs) So, how dare you? But something that Hastings has said has resonated with Poirot about him not being the only detective in London. Because the next thing we know, he's arriving at the offices of Redfern and Blake, private detectives. And they are very starstruck when he walks in. Like, oh my God. Poirot. Not the Hercule Poirot. The very same. Please, sit down, sir. Uh, No, thank you. What can we do for you? I have a friend who requires my immediate help. But I cannot help, and so I turn to you. You mean you want us to sort of deputise for you? We say, sir. You must act on my behalf. It must be something important for you to ask for our help, Monsieur Poirot. It is a matter of the utmost importance, monsieur. There is a reputation. No, there is a life that is at stake. 
But Hercule Poirot is not involved. We then go back to the house itself, where Hastings mm. and Miss Lemon have arrived back to do a bit more digging around. Uh, and as they enter the grounds, they see dun, 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 the vagrant, supposedly <gasps> dun, dun, dun. the vagrant from the other day. Look, over there. It's him. Wait here. Hey, you! Stop! Captain Hastings! He's got a gun! Are you all right? I think so. Listen. Well, that's the first Trump I've seen behind the wheel of an MG. Pulls a gun, shoots at Hastings, then leaps into a blooming car and drives away. <laughs> and there's that brilliant line from Miss Hastings of, well, I've never seen a vagrant drive a convertible MG before or something. <laughs> like, that's a first. Yeah, very dramatic turn of events. And Miss Lemon rushes to Hastings' aid. Luckily, he's not been hit, but he has got himself a little scratched up because he had to drop to the ground and roll around. Poor mm. little thing. <laughs> Poor little soldier. God, I wonder if it brought back some PTSD from his war days. He's all right, though. He's okay. Miss Lemon's oh, got the iodine on it. And, um, yeah. <laughs> a little stingy. <laughs> Poirot, in the meantime, has been invited out on a picnic. The fanciest picnic I have ever seen, by the way, oh, by the Countess. Boy. It's like a Roman feast, isn't it? In it's a beautiful. Park, on a blanket. He's got a chair. Before he goes on the picnic, he does say that he, he feels really bad that it happened to Paul Hastings. And he's like, look, let's all meet back at Hardman's house at... 3 p.m. I'm going to go for this fancy picnic, my Roman, um, I thought they Caligula, that's not right, uh, picnic. <laughs> uh, and uh, we'll meet back at the Hardmans afterwards. Um, so, that, yeah, something, we're coming to a head at some point, I think. This is, mm. you know, we're going down the, the towards Denouement territory in the distance, not too yeah. uh, distant. Uh, anyway, she's done in this picnic. It's absolutely beautiful. And oh my God, he says, You astonish me, Madame. I am lost in admiration. Oh my God. Lovely. It's so sweet. The Countess proposes a toast. And now a toast. I shall propose when you find me. To crime. That is a strange toast coming from a detective. And yet it is my raison d'etre. My life is ruled by it. And it is crime that has brought us together. Could this help? It's denouement time. Because, yeah, everything's about to be explained and revealed. Let's <laughs> just say Poirot arrives back at the house. And that's about 37 minutes. So um, if you want to see if you can solve it, then 37 minutes is about where you need to pause it. What do you think of this one then, Frankie? Oh, it's a it's a lovely episode. It's a very different mm -hmm. one to the last couple that we've had. And But I do love it. There's, I would say in terms of mystery, it's not really a mystery. Such. I mean, there is mysterious elements to it, and it is clever when you find out at the very end. But um, I really enjoy it. It's it's nice to have some emotional um, mm. leanings from Poirot and see more to his character than just cold clinical facts all the time. So I really love this one. Um, it is a special one. I, if I had to rate it, I'd give it a seven. Okay. I think. I don't know if I'm being too harsh or not, but um, I do love it. It's just in terms of I'm, I'm thinking purely in terms of mystery because yeah. I think I think we all well we'll talk about it after the music, but it's fairly obvious. I think personally, yeah. 
Um, but it's sort of thing around it that's very clever. What do you think, Adam? Well, again, it's it's one I really enjoy. And I really like the whole romantic Poirot that we get yes. to see and don't really ever get to see again. Apart from oh, Chocolate Box, there's a bit of a, a vibe yes. going on there. Um, in terms of mystery, I'll give it a four. Ooh. Yeah, because like, I don't. You are harsh, not me. Yeah, I don't really think there is a mystery. Song, no, really. I mean, no. it's, it's like there's some stuff that's gone missing. There's two clues. We'll get to the new one in a minute. It's not really that impressive when it's no. explained or revealed. And also, again, we'll talk about it in the new one. Faro's whole last act does sort of fly in the face of everything you know about him. So it's a little bit. <sighs> No. We'll talk about it more. I don't want to spoil anything after the denouement, but there are part there. There are con- even the great Hercule Poirot is sometimes has a moral quandary here and there. So you yeah, know, yeah. absolutely. But yeah. yeah, I mean, but uh, yeah, it, it's, 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 it's really weird the way they tie it up. Uh, well, the, the yeah. Christie tied it up, obviously. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not really one. I go. Oh, the mystery is so good in that one. It's no. n- not really. I mean, it sets it up like it's going to be, but it doesn't really no. impress me that much. So I, I'd say a four. It's not That's one fair. I would watch for the crime. No, Sorry. it's for the romance. When you said seven, oh, I've been a bit hard. I was like, blimey. No, to, <laughs> but to be fair, to be fair, I, I, I was, I was on like a six, seven, really. Mm. But I always just feel bad giving it anything less than you know the best because mm. it's. Do we? It is, do we fair, and, we've had some I do, real. Love it. We've had some real crackers though lately. So it, oh my god, the bar spoiled sky yeah. high. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, massively <laughs> in terms of mystery. But and I do think I mean we'll talk about it after the music. But what Poirot has, does, how he create. I don't want to say anything more. That there, yeah, there, there are clever parts to it. Yeah. Yeah. Frankie. We'll um, yeah. So <laughs> yes, but yes. What did you think mm. of it, listener? Do you do you love this one? Does it make you feel doubly wooed? Clued? Um, <laughs> you hear it? Uh, Double tell woo. Tell us what you think. Double <laughs> woo. Uh, mm. Please do tell us. Uh, email us or at bonjour at thelaboursofercule.com or on socials. Tell us at Labours of Hercule or whatever the hell it's called. Whatever. Wherever. Yeah. Shakira. Yeah, so if, if you want to go away and solve it, 37 minutes is when you pause. And then if you're coming back to this episode later, once you have watched it, then we'll see you after the musical sting. But uh, if you're not coming back, then that's really weird. And goodbye. Yeah, oh, bye. <laughs> Au revoir. <laughs> Should we name the miscreant or should we just... I'm, mm. I think we should do it a bit differently this time. Maybe I think given the nature of the reveal, maybe we do it a bit differently. What do you think? Okay, well, let's just quickly there's, explain. There's a double, there's a double denouement. Kind really? of is, isn't there? Yeah, I guess yeah. there is. Okay. Jap needs his reputation restored, doesn't he? That's the yes. pressing matter. So Poirot delivers the denouement. Let's just let Poirot quickly explain something. Only for people came into the house during the concert. The Countess, Monsieur Johnson, Lady Rancorn, and Monsieur Bernard Parker. Now, the thorough investigation of my colleagues eliminated Monsieur Johnson and Lady Rancorn. Monsieur Johnson, because he's a very worthy man. And Lady Rancorn? Lady Rancorn, because she came to the house in order to meet with Monsieur Bernard Parker. 
Is that not so, Monsieur Hardman? Yes. But no one must know. My whole business, it thrives on nobody knowing. D'accord. And finally, there is the Countess, who entered the house in order to get her coat. Her coat? I thought it was a warm evening. Yes, it was, Chief Inspector. But I had been outside for more than an hour. Oh, yes, but... And forgive me, but if that Japanese contralto had sung one more high note, my head would have shattered. And while you are inside, Countess, you caught sight of a figure, no? And you disturbed him, Nespa? Yes, but I only glimpsed him. Going where? From this room to the window. Ah, yes. The window with a climbing plant. What Poirot has just said spurs something in Jap's mind. And in front of everyone, he marches along the corridor, opens the window that Poirot was talking about earlier on, and reaches down into the ivy, where, green upon green, there he finds the <laughs> dropped emerald necklace. Woohoo! Voila. Green against green. My necklace. What about the tramp? I'd still like to collar him in up for her. Oh, I fear it is too late. Jack's only gone and blooming save the day, isn't he? Very lucky. My goodness Mm. me. And Jap is triumphant in his victory. He does still want to collar that tramp, though. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, Poirot thinks it's too late. That tramp's probably long gone by now in his MG (laughs) off into the sunset. (laughs) He won't be committing any more crimes now. That's that's that done. Well done, Jap. Cheers, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. What I really like, though, is that Hastings makes an incredibly astute observation as everyone's leaving. So Pyro leaves with the Countess. Hastings is going to follow along with Miss Lemon. But he says something that makes you go, oh, good on you, Hastings. Why don't you say these things in in front of Pyro? (laughs) (laughs) Pyro won't believe you when you tell him later. Just uh, something she said. No. The Countess. She said the singer was Japanese. It was the pianist who was Japanese. What of it? Well, if she really had been in the garden for an hour, surely she would have known. There's an inconsistency in what the Countess said in her story that's yes. given Hastings pause. Uh, and then we get a really sweet scene. We don't get many of these, actually, do you? No. Between Poirot and Miss Lemon, it's always like, there's always three of them, or, or she's always doing some kind of comic relief. But I rewound the scene twice because I just thought it was really so well written. Poirot sat there alone in the dark. Miss Lemon, I thought you had already gone. Now, I have some letters to finish. Working late, Mr. Poirot? Yes, I have from the Chief Inspector Jap the reports of the jewelry thefts. This work, Miss Lemon, sometimes it is not so straightforward. You do work so hard, Mr. Poirot. Sometimes I think really you ought... Yes, Miss Lemon. Nothing, Mr. Poirot. Good night, Miss Lemon. I think everyone just assumes that you're this funny little chap who toddles around making people feel inferior. Actually, you're always on the case. You're always working. You're always doing something, aren't you? Yeah, and he doesn't really know how to react to that because I I don't think he wants to show weakness mm. or softness in any way but mm. he he admits that you know this work sometimes it's not so straightforward and he's got a lot on his mind so he's a little bit he gets a bit kind of panicked i think at the moment he's like yes boundaries miss lemon like mm. thank you but it's because yeah he's 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 dealing with some stuff 
emotionally. Yeah. He doesn't very, like very to take tender. the armor off, does he? And that's why he's always so well protected. No, indeed. Poirot is having dinner with the Countess and we find out that she's getting a train in 10 minutes and then a ship to America. And it's quite a heart-wrenching moment where Poirot, oh, when he says, Madame, you are the most remarkable, most unique woman I've ever met. But also... Madame, you are the most remarkable, the most unique woman that I have ever met. But also... Opposites. C'est ça. You must continue your work and I must continue mine. But not in the same country. I find it really interesting where he says, we must each continue our work. Why must she continue her work? <laughs> Is my question. Surely he should say, I don't think you should continue your work mm. as a thief. I'm um, guessing it's to survive, but... Yeah. Yeah, I um, it was a weird line. So, yeah, so it's revealed that she is the uh, culprit. She is the one that was stealing the jewels. And it's like, um, see, I'm struggling. Does he really explain how he got onto it? I think he, I, my impression is that he kind of knew all along because he mm. says all along, who is the one person that was at all of these events where the jewels were missing? It's obviously the Countess. And he also says the English are too English to see it. And the person that did it wasn't English enough. And she's the only one who's not English in that mm. scenario. So to me... He always knew, but he had felt such admiration and respect for her that he, I think he spent this whole time thinking, how the hell do I get her out of this? Because I don't want to see her go to prison, hmm. which we can discuss in a minute how that's contrary to a lot of his character. But I think he's mainly been spending his time formulating how to create an alternative narrative that allows the, the Countess to get out of the country and start a new life in America. Hmm. Is my theory. What do you think? Yeah, it's, I, I don't I find it very satisfying. I, 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 mm. I do. I totally get it and everything, but I don't know. I just, I just it's never really works that well for me. That whole thing. I mean, she's like, what is she a career criminal? She'd be doing this all over the continent. Is, well, is, this is, is a it thing. just this? Is it just these? She says several times, "The reason I'm so sad is because I'm so lonely." But then she goes to people's houses and <laughs> them, and then sits in the dark on her own, crying. I don't know. It just doesn't. Something about it that's it's a bit uneven. It's like she. Hmm. I would say, with my very rudimentary understanding of psychology and the fact <laughs> that I read a lot of true crime is my main qualification here, is that she's definitely uh, got. She's a narcissist, and she's definitely got psychopathic elements to her personality. Very manipulative person. Because because obviously this whole time she's been laying on how she's, you know, uh, lost her, her home. She was very wealthy. She was very well to do. And then she lost it all. So in her mind, I think that ju she's justified in stealing these jewels because she used to have them. Why should she, shouldn't she have them now? Right. Okay, cool. I think, I think that's what she's thinking. We don't, the thing is, the reality is we don't even know if anything she's saying is true. Because she could be a con artist, yeah. you know? She may not be from high society. She may have just been like a, a poor Russian person that's managed to pass herself off as a countess. We don't know, ever, really. Mm. But for whatever reason, Poirot feels such an intense connection to her and mm. enough to cloud his judgment 
to let a criminal not only go free but leave the country and encourages her to carry on stealing which it's, i find very it's strange so weird it's like it's yeah. like it's like someone threw away agatha christie's last page and said no nah, i want to make him a bit cooler and um but that, that isn't just the extent of what he's done because we soon find out yes redfern and blake the private eyes he went to see early ones that i have a job for you uh they are her protection in other words Make sure she gets on that boat. And doesn't steal much. anything and doesn't on the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, one of them is, well, he asked them to dress up as the vagrant and fire blank shots at his war-traumatised best friend. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, that could have gone horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, through Redfern and Blake's help that the whole vagrant thief theory has been rubber stamped by the police and they're yeah. off now assuming that it was vagrant it wasn't it was one of these guys dressed up uh, driving away it's just to give credence to the fact that um the uh, the vagrant was the thief and at the picnic we heard earlier on in the clip uh, the countess saying perhaps this would help what she did at that moment was handed poirot a package the package was obviously the emerald necklace that poirot then planted in the bush for jap to find thereby exonerating the Countess Rosikov, and allowing Poirot to stick her on a train and get her out of the place so that she can carry on with his blessing, carry on robbing people. It is weird. It is weird, weird because we will see, without any spoiling of the future, we will see other moral quandaries that Poirot is faced with, but those are a little bit more understandable in mm-hmm. terms of why those crimes <laughs> have occurred. This one is just because she's hot. This is literally it. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to let you go because I fancy you. Have a good one. It's yeah. just it, pure it, really it, it, it's weird. Romance has done something funny to his little grey cells. Mm. They've painted them all pink and red and fluffy when he's like, "I we can't even be together. We can't because you're a criminal and I'm I, I, I opposed to that lifestyle. So let's just go our separate ways but always have this connection which does run through future stories like she will this is not the last we see of the countess rosikov i would just you know obviously i'm i wouldn't dare to to suggest that i should rewrite an agatha christie but i think this ending would have been so much more timeless if he had come onto the truth she's the thief and turned her in and then she got away or something well not even that perhaps she went away and did a year or two in prison or or, you know was or was deported or something falling in love with someone but having to shop it's like the maltese falcon you know yeah at the end it's heartbreaking because he knows that she killed his partner so he has to turn her over even though he's desperately in love with her if Poirot had to do that there would have been such a pay at the end of this it's just like okay i'm gonna give you to these two guys now and they have this little moment and she kisses him on the head and then he sort of waves away on the train. It's like, yeah, keep robbing. But I forget. <laughs> I have something for you. A parting present. A souvenir. The cigarette case. The double clue. But it's of no use to me. It's inscribed BP. And yet in the Russian alphabet, a B is a V and a P is an R, is it not? Vera Rosakov. You've been studying. You will keep it, I hope. Something to remember me by? Oh. I won't forget you. 
Now let me catch you again, you beautiful little <laughs> scamp. Yeah, it is. I, I was just a, a thought that suddenly occurred to me. Maybe, maybe, and I'm assuming a lot here, because she gave him the necklace back, he thinks that there is something about her that can be redeemed. There's like a redeeming quality to her. And it was from a place of desperation that she took the jewels and everything. And maybe that was like a her doing that for him was enough to go, OK, you know, she's not She's not a bad person. She's not irredeemable. And they do yeah. certainly bond over the fact that they're both strangers in a yes. strange country and struggling with it from day to day. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of grey areas. Oh. But, um, yeah. As I say, I really like the love story. I think that's really sweet. And um, I love the whole Hastings and Lemon <laughs> scenes of... Investigates. <laughs> they're just so good. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I've never really been a massive fan of the mystery itself because I just don't think it wraps itself up very No, satisfying. it's fair. But, you know... It's, it's, proof though that everyone loves a bad girl like mm. god who knew the allure of a bad girl with get poirot going so fair yeah. play <laughs> but what what a lovely episode i really yeah. do it was yeah. it was a joy to watch it again yeah it was lovely to, to watch hey adam mm. hey frankie <laughs> <laughs> what's our next episode going to be well for those of you who are a fan of uh, the more gruesome Deaths. Uh, we have the mystery of the Spanish chest. It's a swashbuckling affair. Full of yes. It's a, yeah, it's a good one. I like how we've gone from like romance into now. Well, let's get back into the gory murder times. <laughs> get let's our death do on. it. Yeah. That will be fun. And as you say, we'll have a special guest with us for that one. Yeah. So that will be fun. Yeah, it'll be good. That's been really fun then today. So we've been introduced to the Countess Vera Roscoff. And spoiler alert, she will be back. Yes. And we've all fallen a bit more in love with Poirot I think in the process because mm. hearing him God be all poetic and romantic whew, very very nice <laughs> very true mm. he wouldn't ever tell you that it was just water vapour no <laughs> you can't see steam but okay but it's a steam train oh it doesn't matter uh, yes no he's a very very romantic in the meantime between now and our next episode if you'd like to get in touch you know how to do it it's bonjour at the labors of com. we're on all the socials Frankie loves a pun so keep those coming in <laughs> yes please uh, and please do tell us where in the world you're listening because uh, it's always yes. fascinating to find out I welcome the company <laughs> <laughs> great work yeah Yep. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely sincere. Uh, and we'll see you next time, mon ami. Mesami. Yeah. See you next time. Bye. Au revoir. If you'd like to keep up to date with what we're doing or get in touch with us, you can follow us on Twitter at Labours Hercule. We're also on Instagram if you like pictures at Labours of Hercule. And if you were born in the 1920s yourself, then you can be all old fashioned and email us at bonjour at thelabourshercule.com. That's it from us. See you next time. Au revoir, mes amis. Welcome to the future in this year's wildest super fun show for adults. Hey gang, it's Josh Olson. 
And Joe Dante. And we want to tell you about our podcast. It's about movies. Josh, there are a thousand podcasts about movies. Sure, but ours is different, Joe. That's true, actually. Our guests are writers, directors, musicians, comedians, actors. Hell, we even have other podcasters on. We play no favorites, and they don't talk so much about their own work but about the movies that have influenced them and made them who they are. We call it the movies that made me. We've talked with people like Guillermo del Toro, Little Stevie Van Zandt, Martin Short, Ethan Hawke, William Freakin, Barbara Crampton, Jonathan Ross, Dennis Lehane, Mark Duplass, Adam McKay, Lorraine Newman, Jason Reitman, Alison Anders, Elijah Wood, Stephen Canales, Eli Roth, Joe Bob Briggs, Roger Corman, Bobcat Goldthwait, Leon Douglas, Dana Gould, Martin Campbell, Shane Black, Albert Hughes, Emily Deschanel, Joe Biafra, Ari Fessenden, Nicole Hawson, Rashad King, Lee Daniels, Roslyn Chow, Clancy Brown, Yardley Smith, Ike Barrow, Steve Arkett, Thomas Milton, Jim Prince, and Uwe Boll. It may not be highbrow, but it's lots of fun. Subscribe for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. In color to thrill you as never before, 